Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I'm your host Maggie and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the It's Growing Season podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 47 where I have a conversation with Terry Kozlowski. She is a certified life coach for people who want to overcome their fears and limiting beliefs. Terry is also the author of Raven Transcending Fear as well as host of the Soul Solutions podcast. In this episode, Terry shares her journey toward overcoming fears and limiting beliefs. We talk about how we can stop letting the egoic mind run the show and start taking back control of our lives. Terry also shares some very practical steps on overcoming imposter syndrome and self-doubt and reclaiming our authenticity. Terry also shares some very practical steps on overcoming imposter syndrome and reclaiming our authenticity, as well as guide us toward personal empowerment. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you all. Thank you, Terry, so much for joining me. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you could leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would help me out a ton. And without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Maggie. I'm very happy to be here with you. I'm so excited for this conversation. But before we dive in, uh, I would love if you could introduce yourself a little bit so the listeners can get to know you first. Absolutely. My name is Terry Kozlowski. I am an author of Raven Transcending Fear, as well as a host of my own podcast, The Soul Solutions. And I specifically tailor my content to those people who want to overcome trauma, specifically limiting beliefs and overcoming their fears. And mine is based on a traumatic experience I had with my mother when I was 11 years old and how I have been able to, over the course of decades, walk through that trauma and come out on the other side, not just having a good life, but having a thriving and happy and fulfilled life. Hmm. So I'm curious to learn how your journey towards like spirituality and self-discovery began. Well, see, I think all of us come to earth school being our authentic selves, know exactly who we are, know that we're connected to spirit in some way, whether you call it God, the universe, spirit, whatever that external source is, that underlining source that your soul is connected to. And we all have a soul. And our soul is connected to a greater, whatever that divine entity is for you. And because of that, I think that we allow, as we grow, some of that gets squashed and we forget who we authentically are and who we really are is that soulful spiritual self. And for a lot of us, especially those who have gone through trauma of some sort, that really gets squashed because the ego takes over because the ego's job is to protect us. And when we have trauma in our lives or when anything that us that causes us to fear, the ego rises up as it's supposed to do to protect us. 
And the issue is that when you are 11, which is when my trauma occurred, my ego rose up to try to protect me, but I never upgraded my software. And what I mean by that is Terry 1.0 was operating when trauma occurred. Well, Terry 2.0 never actually got the software download because the ego was so overwhelmingly trying to protect me and using fear to do so. I was having, I was in depression. Then I went into anxiety. I went through all those different stages that one goes through when they're dealing with any sort of negativity in their life. And depending on the severity of that neg negativity will depend on whether or not you are able to overcome easily or if you get trapped. And I got trapped and I stayed trapped in Terry 1.0 for almost 10 years before I finally realized that for me to move from being a victim and living from a victim mentality and lots of people get stuck there because they don't think or feel or see the a way for them to move from victimhood to survivorship. But all that really is, is a mindset shift, a shift from understanding that, yes, this bad thing happened to me. But instead of saying, why me, which is the ego's way of keeping us stuck, keeping us focused on the past, instead of looking to the future, we now need to ask, now what? Yes, this bad thing happened. Now, what am I going to do about it? Now, however you move forward with that now what question really moves you into from victimhood to survivorship in whatever type of negativity you're dealing with, whether it is, you know, you failed a class. Now, what am I going to do? What was it that I had issues with in trying to grasp this information? Or maybe it wasn't that you couldn't grasp the information. Maybe it was you couldn't take the testing. And I know lots of people who are really intelligent, but are horrible test takers. And if you can find a way for them to pass on that information and not in a written test form, whether it is just having conversations they automatically thrive in that type of environment. And that's where education sometimes um, causes some stifling and people to start thinking that maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I can't learn this. And that, that really isn't it. There are, we can learn anything we set our minds to. It's how we get evaluated that is the cause of the issues. Mm, wow. Thank you for sharing. I, I've, there's so many things I want to dissect there, but <laughs> I think... I was really, you know, just hearing about the ego and it trying to protect us. I was just curious, what is it even trying to protect us from? So the ego is part of that basal brain, part of that um, old brain that is really about surviving. And it's part of, you know, way back in the day when we were cave people, it meant, you know, there's a bear picking berries, you know, eating over there, we need, as we're picking berries, we need to move away to keep us. The issue is that in today's modern society, the ego still wants to protect us from pending death <laughs> or those other things along those lines. But, but it, we don't live in a society where pending death is really something that we have to have in the forefront of our minds. So instead, you know, we didn't do well in class or that kid made fun of us or we were in a meeting and we it, we didn't do so well our ideas were shot down and now the ego jumps into place and say okay well we don't want to go to that next meeting or i don't want to go to that class anymore when 
it's trying it's trying to decide whether or not us feeling bad about a situation is something that it needs to protect us from. And if we as conscious beings don't say no, that is not yes, I don't want to go I'm not having a good time in this class. Yes, I'm struggling to learn this in a way that my instructor wants me to learn it. However, that's not something for me to be afraid of. That's not something that the ego needs to protect me from. That's something that I is a challenge and I need to look at how to overcome that in a different way. Now that I know what's happening, now what am I going to do? And as soon as you tell the ego, this is not something I need to be afraid of, it melts away. But we have to consciously do that. Otherwise, it stays in the back of our brains. And you know that monkey... Uh, chatter that happens all the time, that mind chatter, those types of things just automatically flow from us because for us, our brain looks for those negative outcomes. Our brain looks for those things that we need to be careful of because it's trying to protect us. The ego does. And until we consciously walk through life, understanding that every experience we have is meant for our growth in some way, period. Even if it's a negative experience, what can we learn from it and grow from it? And if we take a lesson from it, we won't have to have that negative experience again. And that's the essence of life. That's where that learning scale always is, you know, if you aren't learning, you are dying because the reality is we're all meant to learn every single day of our life. Every experience, every conversation we have, every new person we meet is an opportunity for us to either be afraid or give love. That's mm. it. You know, we're either giving love to the world or we're staying out of the world because we're afraid. Mm. So you're saying that ego is more rooted in fear, but at the very core, we're all love. And how do you begin to differentiate that fear that is inside of you, like that ego? If you're, if you've been so ingrained in thinking this way, thinking through your ego, how do you even begin to differentiate that from your true self? That is a Fabulous question. And, the, and it's a simple answer. And the simple answer is you have to get quiet. Mm -hmm. The ego is very loud and obnoxious and it's that chatter always in your head. But when you get quiet and you sit with yourself in silence, you'll hear that whisper, that whisper of encouragement. That's your soul talking to you. That's the spirit. That is the divine talking to you and encouraging you. The ego is never encouraging. So if something is a little scary or something is, if you're going to move out of your comfort zone, if you're going to try something new, if you're going to go meet new people, the ego doesn't like any of that because there's a, a risk factor to it and it doesn't like risk. It wants to stay in your comfort zone with the same people you always know, whether they support you or don't support you, at least that they know. You know what that's going to be. But going out and trying to find your tribe of people that are going to always encourage you and be open-minded and challenge your thinking mm. is something that you doesn't necessarily want you to do. So there's, a, there's all those things that we need to do in moving out of our comfort zone. And guess what? The soul will always encourage you to do that. Mm. Oh, if you pause and say, 
oh, maybe having a conversation with Terry would be really enlightening instead of you don't know anything about that girl. Why in the world would you want to have a conversation with her? She's clear on the other side of the country. She's so much older than you. All those things that the ego will try to put into place to say, why take the risk? Maybe she won't like you. That's true. I may not like you, but (laughs) it doesn't matter if I like you or not, if we're having a soulful conversation. And when it comes right down to it, Anybody that I've ever met and I've said, do you want me to put on a mask and be something you want me to be, or do you want me to be my authentic self? I have never had anybody say, oh, no, I want you to put on a mask. Everybody wants me to be authentic, and therefore, you need to be authentic with me, and I need to be authentic with you. And if we don't wear the mask and armor and labels and all those things that we put upon ourselves that happen in our teenage year. It happens really, it starts happening when we're children because we are trying to conform to what mommy and daddy want us to be. We're trying to conform to the adults in our life, those teachers who say, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Be a good boy, be a good girl. You start conforming to that and squashing some of your authenticity, your creativity, and then you get into peer pressure. And that whole peer pressure thing is conforming so that everybody is alike and everybody's the same. Why in the world are we want to be the same as everybody else? Because we want to be accepted. The ego wants to be accepted. And then we continue on with that in our 20s and our 30s. And we marry and we form relationships with long-term relationships with people who only see a certain part of us. And the reality is that's where a lot of separation and divorces and angst comes out of interpersonal relationships because we went into something with a mask on. We And then as we get comfortable, we start taking off, that, off the mask. And it's like, who is that? You had that mask on for the first five years of, of our relationship. Why did you take it off now? I like that person. Who's this person? And that is part of that growth process is that we learn I think all midlife crises are really people who have said, I am sick and tired of being something I'm not, and mm-hmm. I want to be my authentic self. And they do drastic things to get back to their authentic selves. But I see a very different thing happening in the world. And younger people like you are realizing that there is a spiritual side of life and that They don't want to be wearing the masks and armors. They want to really be who they authentically are, and they want to be accepted just as they are. And that's part of going through that and dealing with imposter syndrome is that the reality is we are worthy just as we are. And that's Mm -hmm. the first step. I have five steps in overcoming imposter syndrome. And the first step is know that you are worthy just the way you are. You came into the world 100% who you authentically are, and that was worthy when you were born. Mm. Anything you currently are is worthy just as you are, whether it is good or bad, whether you have a mask on or don't have a mask on, whatever labels you've put upon yourself or others have put upon you. None of that matters because at your core, that soulful being is worthy just exactly the way you are. And once you accept that, that your worthiness has always been there, then you can move forward to the next step, which is know your strengths. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. But the ego focuses on the weaknesses for some reason. Mm. It doesn't focus on our strengths. And if you, however, look at, okay, 
sit down, make a list. These are the things I'm good at. These are the things I'm not so good at. Are there anything in the not so good at areas I actually want to improve upon for any reason? Okay. So if you say, you know, I really think I want to write in my future, I'm really not a good writer, then focus on getting better writing skills. It's a skill that can be learned just because you don't have it now doesn't mean you can't get it. But if it's something like, you know, no, I'm never going to write. I'm a graphic artist. I'll never have to write. Then don't worry about it. If you would rather be a graphic artist and you want to get some skills in other areas, maybe video editing, then, then learn those skills. But focus on two things. Number one, what are you truly passionate about? Whatever that is, it doesn't matter if you are passionate about math. I am not. <laughs> After 12 noon, don't ask me to do math. Before noon, I can do math. Afternoon, it's, it starts going downhill. And for me, I know that. So if I have to work on balancing a checkbook or dealing with accounting at work, I do those tasks in the morning when I know I can do them. In the afternoon, it's, I can write in the afternoon. That's not a problem. I can handle those emails. I can deal with people. But know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Know where to focus your time. And those things that just light you up. And all of a sudden, you three hours went by and you thought it was 10 minutes. Those are the things that really and truly you're passionate about. And whatever that is, whether that is creative design, whether that is writing or podcasting or you know, if you decide you want to be a teacher and being a teacher lights you up and dealing with small children, whatever that is, do that. Focus your time there and you'll find out that your life is so much more fulfilling when you do exactly that. Instead of doing what my daddy wanted me to do, which was get a business degree. I didn't want a business degree. I don't have a business degree, but I spent two years taking uh, accounting <laughs> Um business economics, all kinds of things I despised because my daddy wanted me to. And I was a good girl and did what daddy wanted me to do until I finally broke down in tears and said, I can't do this. I hate it. I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this. So understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and focus on your strengths. Because the reality is those things that you are weak in, most of the time you won't need if you're focusing on those areas that light you up and that you're passionate about. The third step in overcoming imposter syndrome is making sure that you understand that people are not looking for perfection. So stop trying to be a perfectionist. Perfectionism is a way that the ego uses to keep us fearful and not producing and putting stuff out into the world. If Maggie waited for every perfect podcast to occur, she wouldn't be putting it out in the world. And just for my podcast, the same thing. I know that I can go in and edit, but sometimes when I flubber a word, I just let it go because that's natural. That's how people talk. And if I have to go in and try to re-edit, somebody said, well, don't you re-record? I said, no. Uh-uh. I record one time. And if I go in and it's fine, but I only record once. I don't go back in and splice. They know no, no. I don't want to learn how to splice. I'm not a video editor. <laughs> I'm not an audio editor. So understand that if I'm authentically me and I mess up, it's okay. If I'm authentically me and hurt you, Maggie, and I apologize for it, then you know that I'm being authentic because I recognize, number one, that I did something 
that I shouldn't have done, or I recognize that I could have hurt you. Even if you say, no, that didn't, if, as long as I'm recognizing that, hey, I probably misstated something and you may not have liked it. I apologize. That wasn't my intent. Being perfect is something that the ego uses to keep us from putting anything out. And that's really what, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, they asked me how long I worked on my book and I started laughing, you know, because my book literally was downloaded. And what I mean by that is I didn't have an outline and I didn't do anything that you were supposed to do correctly when you're writing a book. I sat at my computer and I typed for nine months. Nine months later, I had a book. Now, it took me 18 months to edit it because that is where my perfectionism came through. Was, and then I finally realized when I was done that when all was, my story stands as a testament to what I've been able to overcome, but that people aren't, don't care if I split an infinitive because people talk that way. People always say things that are not, that's not um, grammarly correct. And yet at the same time, nobody cares. That really is about my story and my story is out there for everybody to read and for them to see and use me as an example for them to be able to overcome their fears and limiting beliefs. So perfectionism isn't going to help you get it out in the world. So, and people aren't looking for perfection. So let that go. The fourth thing is to make sure that you understand um, that your experience matters. For me, that was the hardest one for me to overcome, and partly because of my generation, and I'm in my 50s, my generation believes that for anything to be of value, you must be educated, you must have a degree, you must have certifications, all those types of things, to the point that my daddy, I love him dearly, <laughs> my daddy said to me, what credentials do you have? And I thought to myself, you know what? So I went and I got certified as a life coach. And then I realized I didn't need it because the reality is people come to me because I've already lived through the, the trauma experience and come out on the other side and I can help them bridge all that uh, horrible uh, self-doubt, all that fear. I can help bridge them and get to the other side to thriving much faster than I did. And people want to learn from people who've already gone through it. Those are the best places for you to get your education. And the reality is for me, going through the trauma, I did go to therapy, but for me, the therapy was in the early 80s where uh, child sexual abuse and child uh, tra trauma wasn't dealt with very well. And because of that, I had to do things a lot myself. So I learned everything for myself. And what I found out is other people who've had there's that commiserating with one another and understanding, oh, you've been there too. We're not alone. And it's really important for people to realize that they aren't alone. So experiences matter. Whatever your experiences are matters in how you move forward to other people. So in three years, Maggie, when you decide to put out a course on how to have your own podcast, somebody who's never had a podcast before will want to learn because you've already been through it. And you've, you know what the process is, you know what works, you know what doesn't work because you messed up there. And you can talk through that and be proud that you've been able to overcome and have a successful podcast. And the last point to 
overcoming imposter syndrome is just to be authentic. Authenticity is the key to everything in life. It is how your relationships thrive. It is how when all is said and done, if you're authentic and be exactly who you are, even if somebody doesn't accept you, they weren't meant to be in your life. Those people who are around you and accept you exactly the way you are, flaws and all, because we all have some things that are what I call personality quirks. And everybody has them. And we know that people have them, you know, so-and-so is a smart aleck, or this person's really quiet, or this person is a negative Nelly, all those things that we know, but we still love and accept these people. We're not trying to change who they are. And we may encourage the negative Nelly not to be so negative or to try to see a, a different perspective. But, you know, if we know that that's, you know, Pooh Bear is nice and slow and you have Eeyore who is always seeing the cloudy skies and you have Piglet that loves everybody. That's just the way all of us are. We all have our personality quirks. And when we allow them to shine through, it allows people to love us exactly the way we are without the mask, without the armor, without the labels. And we want to be loved and accepted for who we are. So we have to start accepting ourselves and put ourselves out there in the world, despite the fact that the ego isn't going to want you to do it. But what you will find is when you do, you're going to find the love. You're going to find the people that love and accept you and support you in all that you do. And that is really what life is about, is finding those people, finding our tribe that always will support us no matter what. And when we fall, because we will, they will be there to pick us up and help us get back on track. Mm, this is so relevant to my life right now. <laughs> Everything you just said, um, the perfectionism, the imposter syndrome, you know, those limiting beliefs. And for me, I think one of my biggest limiting beliefs is just my age. And like you said, your experiences are valid and um, you don't need to have any certifications or in order to talk about your experiences because they're valid in itself and no mm -hmm. one can replicate the exact mm -hmm. journey that you've been on. And I love you talk about authenticity. It's something that I've been really working on recently. And I'm just curious how we can even begin to peel away those layers that you know society has told us that we should be, you know, how do you even begin to start taking off those masks and then figuring out who you are on the inside if you've been so conditioned to act in a certain way um, or to, you know, perform for some other people, but never yourself, if that makes sense. So two things. Number one, you have to get quiet and find out who you are. Mm. Okay, because a lot of us allow that egoic voice to really say, oh, no, you can't do that. So we don't. We just don't even think about doing that. But getting quiet, whether it's through prayer or meditation or journaling or all three, whatever works for you. Sometimes, you know, I do. I do meditate every morning. I have the first hour of my day is teary time. Nobody interrupts it. Everybody in my household knows. Uh, leave her alone. She's having teary time. And in that time, I say mantras, I meditate, I journal, and I read a devotional. And that's my first hour every morning where I ground myself in who I authentically am, what it is I want to accomplish in the day, and I make sure that I start in a positive way. And when I do that, life goes rather, even if things get a little chaotic, 
I'm still calm because I know that I was grounded and that I will stay grounded and tomorrow I will ground myself again. And whatever happens are just lessons that I'm to learn. Mm. So that's the first thing is to get quiet and find out who you, who you authentically are. And the second thing is a little bit harder. <laughs> and I think everybody needs to move away from home for a period of time, whether it's six months or a year, whatever that time is, I think everybody needs to get away from their home base. And this is why. Home base is where people assume they know you. And I left home uh, when I was 20 and haven't moved back home since. I visited, but have never gone back home. But interestingly enough, when I go home, people expect me to be who I was when I left at 20. Mm. And my husband uh, moved away when he was 18. And yet when he was almost 40, moved back. And we went through this whole list of, you know, is it good to go home again? And it's a good thing because there's family, but it's a bad thing because there's family. And then there, it's a good thing because you, you know, there, it's a small town and you know, everybody, and that's also a bad thing. (laughs) It's a small (laughs) town and you know, everybody, but the reality is when you go home, people expect you to be who you were when you left. So if you were 18 and rowdy, when you left home, when you come back, that's what they expect. And when you show up as a 28 mature person with ideas and thoughts that are different than what you had when you were 18, they're like, who is this person? And that is part of the growth process. That is part of, you know, my husband and I have been married um, for 23 years and I am a very different person than I was when we got married. And he's a very different person. But part of that relationship is that we're supposed to grow and encourage one another to grow and expand and change and to become better people. Am I better now than I was when I married him? Yes. But I'm also very different. And part of my sister doesn't see the differences. My sister wants to see her big sister. Mm. You know, my dad wants to see his little girl. And that's the imagery that they have in their mind. So when we are being our authentic selves, we have to get away from those people that will, no matter what, they're going to see us in a way that we're no longer. I am not a little girl. There's no way about nothing about me that's a little girl. But in my daddy's eyes, I'm still his little girl. Mm. And, you know, which I understand and being a mother, I understand that my 30 year old son is my baby boy. You know, it, you know, I understand that. So we have to also realize that for our children, we have to be able to say, you are, yes, you're 30. You're not my four year old little baby boy who told me he was going to marry me and never leave home. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, that, that's so sweet and so endearing and you love that. And, you know, at the same time, you want them to grow up and be productive citizens in society. And that is a job of a parent is twofold. One is to make them productive citizens of society. But the second thing, which I think a lot of parents don't do, is that they don't encourage them to be their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. We want them, you know, we think they're many versions of ourselves and we want them to live out those dreams that we didn't get to live out because we were squelched. because 
um, of the labels and the mask that we had to put on. So we want our children to be able to do better. And, and you hear parents talk about, I want my kids to be able to do all the things I didn't do. Maybe they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Find out, have a conversation with your three-year-old and your six-year-old and every couple of years and really find out what it is they're thinking about what they want to be when they grow up and whatever they want to be, it's okay. Let them be that. My son was going to be a race car driver all the way up until he was 14 years old. And then he didn't know what he wanted to be. But up until then, I'm a race car driver. And I encourage that. I mean, why not? Let them them imagine whatever it is that they wanted, whether it's an artist. And I had some similar dreams. I wanted to help people learn languages. I wanted to help people that had trouble speaking. And that's called a speech pathologist. And my daddy did not want me to be a speech pathologist. And when all was said and done, now he, he's gone back, you know, I'm in my late forties. And he said, you know, I, I shouldn't have discouraged you. Like, yeah, you shouldn't have. But you know, his thing was when I was talking about doing that, they were only making 30,000 a year. And now they're making 80,000 a year and very, you know, they only worked in uh, hospitals and now you have them all, all over the place in school settings and hospitals and private practice. Don't discourage children based on what you think the future can hold. No offense, but nobody knows the future. And when you think you do, I'm pretty sure you're going to be wrong. So, you know, let, let your children dream. Let them explore those areas that they want to explore and encourage them to do so. Mm, I love that. It's about taking time in solitude as well. So you know who you really are and kind of getting away from your home environment, because oftentimes when you're back home with a lot of people that you grew up with or know you for an older version of yourself, there's not a lot of room for growth and mm-hmm. personal evolution because you're kind of just bound by those, mm-hmm. those, those beliefs of other people. So I, I love, I love what you just said, because I feel like I'm on this journey myself. I'm away from home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm spending a lot of time alone and in solitude. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly what I needed to hear. And what about for people, you know, once you've started overcoming those limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome and self-doubt, how do we become to feel more empowered? Two things. Number one, don't compare yourself to others. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have, um, when I speak to them, they compare themselves to me and I'm like, I'm on a completely different path. Number one, than you are number two, because just because it's taken me 30 years to overcome doesn't mean it's going to take you 30 years to overcome. So no comparison, whether you think that what I overcame was um, more traumatic than what you're trying to overcome, whatever that comparison is a tool of the ego to keep us stuck. Mm. So don't allow the comparison to occur. And the reality is my personality is different than yours. So even if we had the exact same events occur, how we respond is going to be different. So my sister and I were both abandoned by my mother. Her response was very, very different than my response. And we both have issues dealing with that, but hers are very different than what mine were because our personalities are so different. And so we have to understand even twins' personalities are different. Yes, they have the same genetics, but as far as their personalities, you can have very, very different twins. 
So no comparison. And the other thing is you need to learn to take control of the self-talk, that negative chatter, and understand that you you, you are the one that's allowing that negativity chatter to occur in your head. One of the examples I use is my mother had told me when I was in my teens that um, I was not a survivor. And that if I was, my sister and I were plopped into the woods together, she would survive and I would perish. And that played in the back of my head. In my late thirties, I'm hearing my mother's voice tell me I'm not a survivor. And interestingly enough, it finally dawned on me that, well, number one, I'm not speaking to my mother. So that voice in my head is that I am going in and playing that tape of her voice, playing that sad song over and over and over again. Well, why am I doing that? Why am I still playing that play button when I should not only take the tape out, but destroy the tape? So, or at least record over it. So something more positive is on it. And that really is part of learning how to alter our self-talk and recognizing that there our perception can change. That wasn't my perception. That was my mother's perception. So understanding that sometimes those things that we play over and over and over again didn't come from us. Mm. And a lot of times we don't realize that that, oh no, that's my dad telling me that, or that's my grandmother telling me that. (laughs) Whatever that voice is, we claim it as truth for ourselves when the reality is, no, it's not a truth for ourselves. That's just something we picked up along the way. And it's learning to differentiate, okay, is this true for me now? And if it's not, then do away with it and find something to replace it. So I went from saying that I wasn't a survivor to that I am a survivor. Or, you know, other people have issues with the idea that they were told that they were negative Nelly. I'm always speaking positive statements now. So, you know, you can change, you can alter, you can pivot away from any of that negative self-talk and start understanding that the more positive self-talk you have, the easier it's going to be to transition from a place of fear to responding from a place of love. Mm. And once you're able to gain those tools, you can become so grounded in yourself that you know, you can still become influenced, but not so easily swayed by the opinions and and beliefs of other people. Um, I think this is so much, so much of this is related to finding your most authentic self, because when you find your most authentic self, you can feel more empowered in your own being and then start adopting the tools that you just mentioned so that we can just be so grounded ourselves that, you know, nothing can, nothing can sway us from who we really are in the core. And The other part of that is when bad things happen or negative Mm -hmm. things occur, when those things that happen that, oh, dang, I didn't want that. I thought it was going to happen this way and and, and that's not how it worked out. It really doesn't affect you because you look at it from, okay, obviously I'm supposed to learn from this situation. So what is it that I'm here to learn? And it becomes something where you don't feel you've had negative experiences. It's just... Mm -hmm. This didn't turn out the way I thought. That doesn't mean it's a negative experience. Just because you thought it was going to be X, Y, and Z, and it ended up being A, B, and C doesn't mean it's negative. It just means that it was a different option you didn't think of. And we need to explore those possibilities. You know, 
the whole part of being authentic means that you are exploring who you are, changing who you are, because maybe I've been writing and writing and writing. And now instead of writing, I want to do movies, whatever. You can change that. You can change what the new version of you is going to be. So whatever that is, however it is you are meant to grow is okay because it's your journey. It is your personal growth and your authentic being can pivot this way or pivot that way and determine what's next Mm -hmm. because whatever makes you joyful in the next moment is what you're supposed to be doing. Mm, Yeah. I love that. The last thing that you said, it's, it reminds me of this quote I heard about like following the path of least resistance rather than, you know, trying to overcome a lot of resistance to like find the next hurdle. But oftentimes what we really need to do is just, just to follow the next thing that lights us up. And that next thing that is, you know, it has less resistance on you. I don't know. That just made me think about this quote. And I, I just feel so comforted in knowing that there's people like you who are talking about these things and able to share your wisdom uh, for like people around my age, because this is something that I think a lot of people in their um, early 20s are navigating through just finding your authentic selves, because it's kind of, you know, like you still have the influence of your parents mm-hmm. and you're still, some people are still back home and it's so hard to discover yourself when you have so many people, you know, trying to put words into your mouth, you know? So it's just, it feels like very much divine timing that I'm speaking to you right now because I just um, moved back to college. So I um, actually, I was born and raised in Taiwan. So I had to move across the world and come here. Um, but I feel like now that, um, you know, more than halfway through college, I'm getting a lot of talk about what I want to do in the future. And it, a lot of people are trying to tell me what I should be doing. <clears throat> and it's so hard to actually stay grounded myself and really ask myself what I want to do, not how I can make other people happy or how mm. I can please my parents, but what can I do for myself and what do I really want to do in the future? So I just want to thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) You made a, you said something should, if you are shooting yourself, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if you're shooting your, I should do this. That means that really means I shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that is something when people start talking about the things they should do, it's really about what other people are imposing on them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the other thing is look at the possibilities because whatever the possibilities are, because they're limitless and the potential that you have within you is limitless. And the whole idea is whatever lights you up, whatever brings you joy and joy and peace are part of your spiritual being. They rise out of you. It's not something you attain. You don't attain joy. You don't attain peace. It's something that you have within you that rises out of you. So you are peaceful and you are joyful. Happiness is different. Happiness tends to be something that people look outside of themselves for because they think that if I have this house, if I have this job, then I'll be happy. And the reality is people who think like that, when they get that house and they get that job, they're not happy. Whereas where I'm coming from is be joyful right now. And if you're joyful right now, and you also be at peace right now, and 
understanding that living in this moment, this time, this space, and not worrying about the past, which is called depression, or being anxious about the future, which is anxiety, living in the present moment, everything is okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make decisions about the future to, in this moment. In this moment, you're at peace. In this moment, you're full of joy. In this moment, you are grounded in who you authentically are. Mm-hmm. And understanding that the ego focuses on the past and the future. Mm, I love that. I love that. I really, really felt the anxiety about the future. I woke up today so anxious, but it's just, it's so important to remind yourself to live in the present because you can't control, no matter how much you try to, you cannot control the future. So Mm -hmm. why not just live in the present? That's the only moment that is, that is here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have one last question to end the podcast. But before that, if listeners could take away one lesson from our conversation today, what would you say that would be? Right now, this very moment, you are completely worthy. You're worthy of love. You're worthy of happiness. You are worthy of success. Everything that you want in life, you are already worthy for. You don't have to do anything to try to obtain it. Being worthy as your authentic self, take off the mask, be who you authentically are, and be accepting of others and others will accept you because you are worthy just as you are. Yes. Yes. And for my last question of the podcast, since my podcast is called it's growing season, I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons in their life. So I wanted to ask you, how would you define this specific season in your life? This particular season is what I'm calling the harvest season because I have done all my seed planting. I have done all the uh, watering and caring, uh, not only for my authentic self, but also for my family and for my business. So at this point, it's time for me to start reaping in the harvest and relaxing and enjoying the bounty of my life. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. (laughs) And for listeners who are curious to learn more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your content? Uh, You can go to terrykozlowski.com and uh, raventranscendingfear.com is where my book is, or you can get it on Amazon. And the podcast is soulsolutionspodcast.com and it's everywhere that there are podcasts. And for your audience, I would love to give them a gift of the blueprint to overcoming fear and limiting beliefs. And I will uh, send you that and you can put that link in the show notes and they can download that free. It's a mini ebook uh, as a prequel to my book, Raven Transcending Fear. Awesome. Oh, I can't wait to read that myself. Good. (laughs) Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such an honor having you on my show. And just thank you for sharing all your insight and wisdom with us today. You're welcome, Maggie. I had a great time talking with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave me a review and give me a follow. And you can also find me on my Instagram at mags.lee and at It's Growing Season, as well as my website, which is growwithmaggie.com. And you'll be able to find all of this in the show notes below. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen. And I hope to see you in a future episode. Bye, everybody.